The title of this evening's Dharma talk is No Perceiver, Only Perception. Did I get that right? Good. A lot of ways of saying that. It's a, it's a title, it's a talk that I give quite often because I like to emphasize that the presumption that we have as we look out at our world and work with our life is that we impute or make up or believe that we're seeing things, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, and that there are objects out there that are separate from us and we are generating that. It's not that something isn't physically separate from us, of course it is. <clears throat> but we take it uh, further than that in order to secure our self-centeredness, our ego. Who, I'm the one who's seeing, I'm the one who's winning, I'm the one who's, oh my gosh, I'm the one who's losing. What will people think? As my mother used to say. What, are people, what will people think? <laughs> I remember thinking, I don't have a clue what they're going to think. I have no idea. I, I probably didn't say that because she would have hit me. That would have been back talk. So the idea here is to help using this concept of no, no perceiver, no, no identity of a perceiving individual person and nothing, uh, and that there's only perception. So this is also saying, to take it a little bit further, there's also nothing that's being perceived. And of course, the thinking mind automatically says, well, that's not true. And, and, and if you're not suffering, if you're not having any difficulty with your life, you probably will listen to that and say, okay, say whatever you want to say. This is something that goes back 2,500 years to the time of the, the historical Buddha and also has been understood down through the centuries by many other teachers. It is not something to believe. I often say, I'm saying now, I don't believe a word I say. Don't disbelieve it, don't believe it, don't do anything with it. Listen, you're here, so you're giving me permission to, as she said, which I'm doing. This is based on my own practice of uh, doing this practice for many, many decades. <clears throat> if you're not suffering, you're not having any difficulty, then go do something else. But if you are suffering and having difficulty, this might be a formula that will work for you. It might, and it's a very simple formula. As I said, Buddhism is not about belief. People impute and think that people believe in stuff. Not the case. Nor do they disbelieve in it. They don't take any position on anything. It's kind of called, what's that called? Open mind, I think, an open-minded attitude. Yeah, just don't, don't select anything. Don't ignore anything. Don't grasp anything. Don't shut down. And in this way, the awareness, which is your your fundamental nature, your consciousness can run free of beliefs and opinions and ideas and threats of hope and fear and you should do this, you shouldn't do that and all the rigmarole that's going on all over the world all the time trying to coax us into doing what somebody else thinks we should do. You shouldn't do anything that you don't want to do. Don't do it. No, no perceiver. There's perception going on, yes. But what we do is we, we impute or we imagine or make up or believe in somebody who is perceiving. I'm the one who's seeing that. Actually, to say this more clearly, there is just seeing. To one who has realized this and understands this deeply, there's just seeing. There's no individual seeing anything anymore. So therefore, it's just about impossible to take anything personally. Because there isn't any person. When somebody accuses you or 
makes fun of you or insults you or something like that, the degree to which your self-centeredness is uh, grasped or, hung, or, uh, or that you're clinging to it will is the degree to which that bothers you. If, some, if, if you actually understand who you are and what you are and what this world is, there's no way anybody can insult you. Because every time they did that, all you would see is how confused they are and how they need to do that in order to support their own shenanigans. <clears throat> and of course, the way we, in this uh, particular path, the way we train our minds, the way we encourage ourselves to do this is to call it meditation, call it whatever you want. Sit down, hold still, hold very, very still without being rigid. All of the senses open and watch what continues to move. If you're holding very, very still for long periods of time, hours, then what eventually starts to show up is the way in which you're adding to your own suffering. The suffering is there. We're all, you come into this world, you're going to have some suffering. But we add on to it. We make it worse. We... By, just by struggling with it and, <clears throat> and uh, again, believing that there's somebody who is suffering and that suffering needs to stop. Sometimes we jump out of the, that simple situation and we go to blaming somebody. And it's not that somebody over here didn't do something that triggers the suffering over here or that is in our storage tank, our memory, our subconscious, whatever word you want to use. Of course that happened, but it's not happening to uh, an individual. It's just perception. It's just only perception. Perception only. No self, no other. Don't believe it. It's, it's not about belief. But believe, this is how belief, if you believe in anything, this is what belief does. It, you, all investigation ceases. Even Buddhism is, has that going on, to believe in the Buddha or believe in uh, dependent origination. Don't believe in dependent origination, even though it's the teaching of the Buddha. But use that and look at it for yourself. Is everything dependently arisen? Maybe the Buddha was wrong. Find out. So what we do is we tend to believe that where we use the body form with all the sense, the whole sensorium of the physical manifestation as, as some kind of proof that we're separate from everything else because we're over here, everybody else is over there. I just won an award and that person lost their job. Big contrast. We use that kind of chatter in our mind to continue to fluff up, puff up ourselves as we're the ones who are winning. <clears throat> we do the same thing if we start to lose, then we, we go to the other end of the spectrum of ego uh, self-centeredness and criticize ourselves and blame ourselves. And here I go again. Why can't I get ahead? And why do I keep doing this? And why, 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 why? And of course, why questions are circular. Why? Because, why? Because, why? Because. There are people who make a fortune trying to tell you why. circular. Even the Buddha said, why is there suffering? Because of desire. Why, why do we suffer? Because we want things to be different than they are. That's kind of enough said right there. We want something else. And what is being taught here through the sitting practice of meditation is to get you to come in, sit down, hold still, Look at the wall and do it for long periods of time so that you can see the way in which you keep confusing yourself. When you do see the way you're confusing yourself, it's not about stopping that. That's a misunderstanding. There's people making a lot of money getting you to stop acting a certain way, stop feeling a certain way. Do it with drugs, do it with psychology, all kinds of things. Rarely does someone say, you can do this. You can do it yourself. You can do it with your own mind. You don't even need my help. All I'm doing is saying, go look at your mind. Find out who you are. Leave the monastery, move to Nebraska. No, I don't do that. 
moved to Montreal. I don't go there either. Uh, we'll just stay here for a while. This is an ideal place because this is that's all we do here. Kind of, kind of boring. You know, we come in, we sit down, we hold still, we look at the wall, and the day goes by. And then the next day goes by, and the next day goes by. And we have the feeling of not getting anywhere. <clears throat> and that's why it's necessary to have a teaching person so that the teaching person can tell you that's how it's done. Keep going. This is very easy to get frustrated by not having having the conventional mundane kind of progress happening. Even though some people who practice and teach meditation talk about, well, if you do this kind of meditation, you'll eventually be more peaceful, you'll be more kind, you'll be more, 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 more. Propaganda. Don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. Don't do anything with it. I could say, listen to me. You're already doing that for the next 40 minutes or whatever it may be. I was threatening to come in here and play my harmonica. <laughs> Cody thought that wouldn't be a good idea, <laughs> so I, don't, I decided not to do it. So what am I basically saying? I'm saying the this is a, a do-it-yourself, a transcendental do-it-yourself project where you find out what your actual identity, your actual identity, actually is, and you can realize that while you're still downloaded into this human form, you can find out who that is, and and who that is is the same uh, same identity that was here a hundred years ago, before this body mind even came into being. And when this body mind goes back into the elements, that will, that will still you you just you're you're still in that same uh, positionless position. Do we see who we are before we have a body? <clears throat> yes, but there's no collector. There's no, no no one's collecting information. There's no evidence of it. So yes, you already know. Good question. Unusual for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, go ahead. You're running a big risk here. <laughs> yes. What does the body do to help us see that? It gives us a three-dimensional time-space continuum where we can actually train our minds. The only reason you're here is it's a big school. But you could spend lifetime after lifetime after lifetime just going in circles. From the point of view of reality, there is no time. This doesn't mean that we don't experience time. We do all, all the time with, you know, when's lunch, that kind of thing. So we experience that, but it doesn't really add up to anything. It's like if I say, uh, remember back 40 years ago? No, you can't do that. Not that old. Uh, remember back 20 years ago? Remember that? When you were, what, eight? Were you eight? Yeah. You're eight years old. What were you thinking about? York's peppermint patties. What? <laughs> York's peppermint patties? How many times did you think of that? was? <laughs> Did you steal it from them? Gifted them to her. Oh, you gave them. You've never given me any York's peppermint patties. Thank you. <laughs> you like me. Uh, that would be good for me. <laughs> was your teacher also a diabetic? No. No. It wasn't, but then, you know, the patties. Further <laughs> <laughs> questions? Andrew? What is perception? I don't know. How does it look to you? I don't even know what it is. That's pretty good. Well, you can describe it as there's something, and then there's eyes that see the something. 
and then there's some aspect of the mind that is the consciousness that is gathering that information and then there's an imputation that there's someone who is perceiving that but the actual perception is just that if you actually see what is in front of you you won't see anything Ah. More? Was that a good South Park laugh? Or not so good? Some sense. It was suitable? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not very good at that. It was correcting you. He took his back. <laughs> it's a Simpsons laugh. It's okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I stand corrected. That was that a was good Simpsons laugh. That was a good Simpsons yeah, laugh. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah I, I'm old. <laughs> Wait till you get here. <laughs> Trouble I have, my goodness, I can't hardly find my way around. The Simpsons, I gotta get, I've been watching this other one, what is it called? Family Guy. Family Guy. <laughs> uh, pretty soon I'll get Family Guy and Simpsons More about perception. <laughs> <laughs> so there we impute, uh, we see something, and well, it's there, or there's distance. We're looking at it, or we hear, smell, taste, touch, think. And then we think there's someone who's, who's receiving that object of perception, object of consciousness. So the, the simple relative structure of it is, is the thing that is uh, such great uh, evidence that we are somebody, and we're over here, and we're having that problem, or we're having that um, strawberry shortcake. You know, we, we separate things out so we can get to the things we want, avoid the things we don't want. Very simple. And the things that we don't have any control over, we try to shut down on or ignore. Those are the three ways of avoiding what is the truth. And so it's not about stopping or starting any one of those. It's about no longer defending yourself against anything. Is a relative, um, is a dependent origination a relative truth? <clears throat> yes. You know, if you see dependent origination, which is a basic teaching of the Buddha, one of them anyway, basic that every single thing you see as being, as being separate is not fundamentally separated in the way you impute or the way you think it is, or the way you imagine it is. If you see dependent origination, you have no more enemies. And you don't have friends in the same sense you did before because you're not looking for just for people who, who overlook your, uh, your difficulties, which is what friends usually do. They like you no matter you know, what kind of problems you have. So yes, it's relative. You see that everything's dependently arisen. It's seeing that. <clears throat> but then if you see that fundamentally without any, uh, and the, the imputation or the, the imaginary nature that goes on top of that, the projection of, I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad. If you see that's also a part of dependent origination, then this is called a perfected nature. Then this is uh, uh, the nature of awakening, if, if you're still in a human form or any form of consciousness. <clears throat> More? What is it? Isn't chasing down... Causal relationships circular. I mean, if you you ask us to find out independent origination, mm -hmm. what is it, or if it's true, mm -hmm. just look at it. You don't, you don't have to chase it down. If you start chasing it down. This is not what I meant. No chase. It's but, it's all. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Well, I think the questions coming from a, an attempt to understand what actually dependent origination is. So. I think it just makes me curious um, to to look at something's causal nature and to to identify that thing as dependently arisen by seeing where it comes from, but then mm -hmm. seeing where that comes from. So you can that's yeah that that doesn't work. Uh, you have to see it uh, more deeply than that. The, one of the ways that I've talked about it is uh, uh, this is uh, this sound is this. Moving through space, running into a solid object, creates something else, a sound. 
So uh, the, the, the invisible or the unsearchable part of that is we don't, we don't really know where this came from. If it was inside of a tree at some point and was taken out of it. Um, we don't know where this wood came from. We also don't know particularly where the hand came that is doing this. Uh, you can impute or you can imagine, well, it's a, a person. But, you know, it's, it starts to get more and more uh, like a labyrinth of, of causes and conditions. This is the, the metaphor this, uh, for this in the sutras or in the, the poem uh, uh, in, uh, uh, is, what is it, uh, is it Jewel Mirror or uh, Tributary Streams Flowing in the Darkness, just a metaphor for how complicated karma is. There's not just cause and effect, but there's the, it, everything behind that, that, that cause, that you're looking at that cause and that effect. <clears throat> that effect sends out ripples everywhere, and that, that uh, cause comes from all kinds of different uh, activity or pushing and pulling called karma or action. And you can't find the first cause. This is why it's such a, and you've heard me say this before, why it's such a misunderstanding to take someone who is having any kind of difficulty, someone who's a criminal or someone who's done something that's antisocial, even if it's really terrible, and to punish them rather than try to help them. It just, it's... If you look at it, why wouldn't you, even if somebody's totally crazy and is murdering people, you know, let's stop them from murdering people. Then let's try to help them. What a revolutionary idea is that? Actually take somebody who's suffering. So yes. Is, is, it, is dependent origination trying to point at something that is unknowable? It's, it's unknowable from the point of view of... Uh, uh, it has no, uh, the fancy word for this uh, is ontological status. It has no status as, as, a, as things and items that you can trace down and, and collect them all up. And okay, now I'm starting to see the big picture now. There's 458 billion of this. And that those all came together, but then you've left out a few. So you can't do that. You have to see, when I say you can't, I don't know what you can do. But the way it looks here is you have to just see the fundamental nature of it. And you do that with the consciousness with as your consciousness there isn't anything but this anything else about what you're experiencing right now is uh, is extra this is a beginning of compassion when you compassion is not a, a fancy kind loving feeling for other people for other things that may be play into it to some uh, to some extent but actual compassion isn't looking for people who deserve uh, your affection and comfort, your generosity. It's, uh, it radiates everywhere. It's, and, it, and, you, and it's outrageous in the sense that it might not show up in the way that uh, people think it should. It doesn't belong to anyone. As the same with uh, consciousness or wisdom. There's no owner. There's no one who's wise. There's just wisdom. There's being an accommodation. <clears throat> accommodation uh, may be part of the path. You may be working with yourself to try to accommodate things as a, as a process to work with uh, energy that's difficult for you to work with. You may be extending yourself to accommodate things. But actual compassion doesn't have a, a compassionator. It doesn't have, there's no object there. Fundamentally, totally, completely, absolutely. It's even difficult, I'm not talking about it, but you know, everything I say is a lie, so that's why I say you shouldn't believe me. You can't, you can't actually open your mouth and speak without saying things that are, that are partial, partial evidence. So we just do the best we can. That's why you hear, if you study Zen or even the Tibetan tradition, you find uh, teachers who talk in riddles, Zen koans or, proverb, or uh, stories and so on. They kind, of, kind of reverse the logic. And that's in order to support you, help you to uh, uh, not continue to grasp onto some things and reject other things, but to, s to have a sense of, a natural sense of balance or uh, equanimity is a fancy word for it. <clears throat> Further questions? Q? Uh, 
in the jewel mirror it says form and image behold each other? Yes. What is that? So form and image behold each other. I think it's a way of it's a way of talking about the the potential for the experience of a, a human being who is functioning with their uh, six sense fields, including the mind and the thoughts. It's a way of um, uh, encouraging uh, you to look directly at everything and see that actually what you're looking back looking at is looking back at you. It's a very relative way of saying it, but since there's no ego anymore. There's no grasping and a self-centeredness. You're not particularly freaked out by that. You just notice that that you're not separate from anything. Is the then the perceiver absent? There never there never was a perceiver. The, the perceiver may still be there, but this perceiver is a is a uh, uh, imposter. You don't really. You don't have to get rid of an ego. That when, when if you see that ego is unreal, you don't have to get rid of it. If you try to get rid of it, and you do manage to get rid of your self-centeredness, quite often what happens is we start to get puffed up, and we start to be kind of a holy person who's a little bit higher than everybody else, and notice that other people really have trouble. Some of the theistic uh, religions ha have that carry that kind of uh, situation. I'm not accusing them of anything, but sometimes that. More about that? What's perceived um, with the form and image beholding? <clears throat> so initially, one might begin to see that everything one looks at is not really, you're not really separate from it. It's like looking, like looking in a mirror, like everywhere you look, it's kind of mirror-like. You're kind of seeing yourself. But then uh, at some point or points, uh, even looking in the mirror is uh, not seeing anything. At some point, there just isn't anything else. But that doesn't mean we go the other way and say everything looks like the same thing. This is why it's called a spiritual path rather than a mundane path of getting somewhere and uh, losing sometimes and getting ahead other times and the kind of materialism we talk about quite often. It's not about avoiding materialism. It's being aware that you're sometimes headed that way. Is, is there a same thing? What? Is there what? The same. Same? Do these look like the same thing? Not exactly. How about now? <laughs> so I'm being silly about it, but I'm just saying... What do you mean by same? I'll, I'll respond to the question as soon as I understand uh, what you're asking me. If we see two things that look different, are they actually the same? Both and neither. You can't say it anyway. As long as we're using relative language, we we have to we have to go all directions with it. It's like the fourfold negation of Nagarjuna. Not this, not that, not both, not neither. We have to totally negate the physical manifestation that, that, that shows up as something separate from something else. But we have to start somewhere, so we start with looking at what's moving in space. When you're sitting, you're watching your thoughts come and go, and come and go. And at some point or points, your allegiance to the thought starts to change over and your allegiance, you start to have allegiance to the space that the thoughts arise in. And then the thoughts are more kind of depersonalized. Then you can have very negative thoughts and not a problem. You can have very positive thoughts and it's not particularly seductive. What, what uh, gives rise to the allegiance? Um, wisdom is seeking wisdom. That's why you're here. That's, that's why we're here. We're here. It's like a school. And the people in the 13th century, they were probably doing the same thing. And the people in the 28th century, there'll be some of those doing that too. There is a 28th century. More? Shoshi? Uh, just going off what you were just talking about, uh, uh, are there
characteristics of the so-called imposter perceiver that are sort of standard or archetypal that we we can know or be aware of? Well, there's a self. So we can watch people. If you know somebody that you would consider self-centered or, or narcissistic or you know preoccupied with who they are and their image and how they're doing and how they look to others. You know, it shows up differently. Some people, their self-centeredness is very subtle and you wouldn't even think that they were, wouldn't even use that as a term to apply to them. Yet, there is strong self-centeredness happening there. And if it's if it's, if it's uh, fueled by uh, ignorance, then it's a shutting down rather than a display. But if it's fueled by pride, then it's more of a display. Like, I'm, how good I'm doing or, or some kind of a, of a, a preoccupation with how one appears to others. So we're always trying to get our our feedback from others. So it shows up that way. Shows up. Uh, I think that traditionally, there's four different ways in the uh, yoga char tradition that are talked about in the seventh consciousness. So that part of the mind that is uh, paranoid and trying to protect itself. No, but Chazan does. Pride, love of self, love of self, self delusion, self delusion. I think it's a self reference. Everything is in terms of me. Everything is about me. Sometimes you'll talk to somebody, and as soon as you start telling them about something that happened to you, they'll come up with something that that's better than what happened to you. <laughs> I went sailing there. Oh, I, I've been sailing. I just went sailing myself. Or, or you start to talk about your son, and they'll start telling you about their son. And just totally interrupt. And you find out later, you don't even have a son. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy people. Yes. Um, up in Muskegon, uh, Tammy and Amber are with Jim. And Very Tammy good. has a question. Yes. Uh, she says, hi, my name is Tammy. When I was about 12, I had disassociate personality disorder, in which I felt like I wasn't in my own body and watching a movie. Because of that, I'm afraid to completely let myself go. I'm afraid the disorder will come back because the feeling was similar to meditating. You're very lucky. You're very lucky most people don't have that situation happening. This doesn't mean, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not saying what you're having might not have some kind of a chemical or a physiological situation happening too. But the way you describe it, means that there's some kind of a, a lack of solidity around the self-centeredness. Meditate. Sit down, hold still, and begin to look deeply into who you are and what you are. I will help you as long as I'm here. And also, uh, you're practicing with Jim, so if you have a small group there, that's the support. <clears throat> she has a, another question. Yes. Is everything nothing? Uh, <laughs> Sometimes it can appear that way when we get when we get uh, uh, nihilistic or just we begin to see that we can't find any reference points to anything. But nothing is also relative; it's opposed to something, something and nothing. Um, to say is everything nothing, I would say no. I could say yes and no, but that might be confusing. I would say it's not exactly nothing, but let's say it this way. It's not what it, we thought it was. And what did we think it was? We thought it was all separate. We thought that we could run away from bad things and get to good things and we somehow have some success. Probably not going to happen. The fundamental situation that happens with everyone here, everyone there, is that you pass away. Probably me sooner than the rest of you. I'm not particularly concerned about that. But I certainly was at one time. And so I would recommend that you continue to train your mind. I mean, if it's, uh, if you want to look deeper into this, then go ahead. But if it's too frightening, then don't do it. Do something else. So there's no, there's no right or wrong. Right or wrong is uh, extra. And that includes me. I'm not right. I'm not right, not wrong. Not, I'm just saying this. And if, if you resonate with it, then you'll know. If you don't resonate, um, you know, go to the casino or, or talk to a therapist. Sometimes just talking to a therapist uh, helps. Kind of temporary.
but it may help. But I don't know. Yes, sir. You're talking about um, an image you use sometimes about the allegiance switching over to the space. Yes. Does that allegiance fall away at some point too? Yes. Eventually, there's no allegiance to anything. There isn't anyone to have any allegiance. But there, there needs to be some kind of a path. So this is what we, this is what you're experiencing being here as a meditator uh, over the last uh, several half a year, whatever it's been, month, six months, seven months, eight months. What's it been? Eight months? Nine months? Yeah. So that's something you're you're experiencing that uh, the ebb and flow of uh, of your consciousness starting to find things and then losing track of things and starting to find things and losing track of things. Yes, there could be. Uh, once you you lessen your demand, uh, you, you get so you don't care if you have negative feelings or positive feelings or just feelings. It's just like preferring really nice weather all the time instead of enjoying the terrible weather. When it's really cold. <laughs> Am I saying I enjoy it? No. I don't enjoy it, but I, but I appreciate what it is because it's a huge contrast, especially this last deep freeze we were in. That was really kind of amazing uh, how incredibly cold that was. And now it's what, quite warm. So uh, appreciation has to do with, uh, with, with having some respect or understanding for all of the things that we go through, all the really difficult things human beings go through. And, and just like the weather coming and going, it's nothing personal there. Um, if you think you're realized, then yes. If you think you're on top of it all, then that's probably good. <laughs> Your realization will fade because it's 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 because it's something that's coming into being, just like the body comes into being and passes out of being. I'm not saying you don't have some insights, of course, but uh, you know, have insights, but they come and go. Real, actual realization or liberation is not an experience, so therefore it can't it can't go away. It's just like you woke up, and what's how are you going to go to sleep again when you're awake? What you're awake to is that nothing is separate from anything else, and it's completely ordinary. At the same time, same time as it's completely mind blowing, to use a conventional metaphor. Yes. Is it possible for someone to go back to sleep? <clears throat> I don't think if they awaken, I don't know. So I haven't awakened yet, so I don't know. I just like to talk about it. <laughs> yes, sir. Where does the idea of a perceiver come from? I think it has to do with fear that we're, if everything is going okay, we're kind of good good with not not strengthening that identity. Things are going, but if, if we, if something threatens us, we go back into a, a kind of paranoia about everything. We start to look for ways to get out of here or ways to defend ourselves against uh, an imagined uh, threat. Uh, which creates a strong identity as a perceiver of the threat. Perceiving uh, a threat and perceiving uh, uh, a uh, chocolate cake probably quite a bit different. Can you have chocolate cake? Yeah. That's right, that's your favorite cake. Isn't it? Yeah, see, you thought I forgot. <laughs> Every time I start to forget, and Danny reminds me, it's chocolate. Right. <laughs> so I think <clears throat> I think it's that that's where we get the sharp edge of the, of the identity of oh my gosh I can't I can't go there that's going to be terrible that'll be terrifying more about that that's good should we pursue fear go into things that scare us no sit back and receive go into anything, then we've got some kind of strategy where we're trying to accomplish something or get over something. 
as as meditators, just sit down, whether you're a Buddhist or not, it doesn't make any difference to me. If you're training your mind, that means you sit down, you hold still, and you sharpen that awareness so that you can see more clearly when you get up off the cushion, up off the chair, and you go out into your everyday life, you're, you see really clear. You actually see. One of the ways it shows up is not so much with we feel different, but we notice that our understanding of others starts to change. One of the things that shows up quite often is a person that, that maybe used to really irritate us because of their attitude towards us, we begin to see that the reason they're acting that way is because they're so unhappy. So we, it's kind of like without even thinking about it, you start to give the person the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. You, give them, you cut them a little slack, as the saying goes, even though they're acting the same way they did uh, three months ago. So you, you, you can kind of see, you can see that they're having difficulty and they, they don't know you could see it. They can't even see it. And why they why can't they see it? Because they close it down so they can attack you. Anytime you blame, you're protecting this. Anytime, anytime you blame anybody. Nobody's at fault for anything. That doesn't mean that somebody didn't run into your car or somebody didn't uh, steal your asparagus or um, run off with your dog. Not my dog now. So it's not that somebody didn't do something, it's just that that triggers uh, problems that you have that you haven't looked at. And so by meditating, over time you begin to be, make friends with yourself, you get so you know more deeply of what's happening with your with your emotions, with your mind, you, you realize why you're, uh, you could say, uh, you're doing that because they're you're being triggered because there's areas that have not been looked at closely. <clears throat> Get to know yourself. Trump Rinpoche, my teacher, uh, said, make friends with yourself. How do you do that? Sit down and look at how much you dislike yourself or hate yourself or are upset with yourself. Sit down and look at it. Make friends. Be friends. If you can't be friends, if you're not friends here, it's going to be really hard to be friends with anybody. I mean, you can put on that you're friends, but the minute that friend does something you don't care for, Start blaming. That's what I do with Shoto all the time. <laughs> yes. Tammy has another follow-up. I bet she does. She says, "You said if I didn't want to take this path because of fear, then don't. I want to." To me, this means I have to trust my soul. I think. Is that a question? Don't trust anything. There's no, you don't have to trust any. Don't trust. Don't trust me. Don't trust anything. Don't don't trust yourself. But if you say I have to be on this path, then just be on the path. You don't need any trust. Just need a schedule. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? You got all my guys here. You just need to know what time do you sit, what time do you get up. You don't need to trust anything. <laughs> just write it down. <laughs> yeah, write it down. Can you, can you hear them laugh? <laughs> These are people that sit a lot. <laughs> they think that's funny. You wouldn't think that's funny if you'd never meditated. Much. That would not be funny. Yes. Is there trust in space? I think tentatively there can be uh, trust in the in the gap. When the gap shows up somewhere where you don't know something for a while, don't fill it up with uh, with uh, guesswork or speculation. Uh, allow yourself to space out so you don't know what's going on. Allow yourself to do that. Get get used to what it's like to be you without, without knowing anything, without filling anything up. And notice it's not it's not all that threatening. You don't have to really be filling up all the space so nothing weird can creep in. If 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 characteristics are, are absent of what we think they are, positive, negative, or neutralistics. What? Did you answer that and then ask me what it was? I don't 
think so. Okay, go ahead. Did it? Did it? Did I? Did he? Anybody else feel that way? <laughs> <laughs> I always think of the agamas when we start talking about characteristics. So characteristics uh, uh, fall apart from uh, from any kind of imputation, or like not not particularly trying to show up a particular way. You just show up, and whatever happens is uh, appropriate. Is that what you're asking about? I think so. It's it, I, I'm trying to put it out in words, but um, was it was. It came up when you mentioned earlier that when at some point you may look in the mirror and you you won't see anything or you won't see anyone. But it's not like there's nobody there. I don't mean that there's suddenly you're oh oh right. and then nobody's there. <laughs> That's more like when you're eight years old. <laughs> so you, are you saying that the Physical characteristics are are still there, but there's yeah, everything is there. But there's no there's no separate. You just see people thinking they're somebody. So both the physical characteristics and the thoughts of oh. I think that somebody are still there. Yes. Oh. Oh, just like the uh, who was it? Uh, Suzuki Roshi said, uh, "When I look out, all I see is the Buddha everywhere. Everyone is totally awake until they open their mouth, and then I see how." Not quite the Buddha yet. <laughs> or maybe they are, but they just don't know it. So yeah, so when you say you don't see anything, you, you, you don't see anything separate. It's quite uh, amazing. First, I'm not making any claims. Don't make claims. They can be disputed. Yes. Yes. Is there a way to retract the why question or take a step back from why am I doing this? <clears throat> so, there, I, I think that a little bit, I, I think there's a little bit of that happening, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to do it so, so much that you're trying to just be a different person who doesn't do that anymore. But a little bit. You can just draw the energy. If you see the way the confusion, how it's getting its energy, uh, from out of hope and fear, passion, aggression, ignorance, then mm-hmm. then you might be able to slow it down a little bit. But I wouldn't get too greedy with for results. It's like a willingness to you work with it, but a willingness to continue to be that way as long as it's necessary till you can fundamentally see who you are. This is called humility. You have any pain over that? <laughs> <laughs> I have. You're trying really hard to be humble. Can't be It's too hard. Be humble. I'm so mad and sad for being so proud. <laughs> All right, that's good. <laughs> Only in hindsight. <laughs> well, that's the best kind of sight. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, different with each person. It's just a matter. Each person has to. You have to. We have the inspiration of the Buddha's teaching, who twenty five hundred years ago taught this, and then other teachers down through the centuries, including my teachers, helped me. I'm trying to help others, and uh, so it's uh, there's no guarantee of anything. But each person has to do this themselves. What can we conclude when we see, I think, that there is a thought? Anything more to... Don't conclude anything. Always include. That's, there's, that's the, there's the, the good clue and the bad clue. That's, don't. Conclude, don't conclude. Don't do it. Stop it. <laughs> that's my conclusion. <laughs> so the idea of concluding is... You know, it's not so much about stopping that, it's just noticing that you're you're coming to some kind of clamping down on some kind of understanding or well that's the reason this happened is because of that. As soon as you do that, you 
you stop looking in and you, you conclude. The self-centered mind, the ego mind, loves conclusions because it reinforces the, the feeling of, well, I understand that. And you watch uh, television, you see people doing this constantly, concluding things. And some people are so good at it, they're even fairly pleasant to watch. And other people are really irritating to watch because the way they conclude is by um, blaming others and so on. More? And what is there when we see, I think? It's just, just a concept. Just a concept. You don't have to get rid of it. You don't do anything with it. Don't add. Do no math. Unless you're pounding code, then you might have to do a lot of math. But that's a, a specific time when you're sitting down and you're at your job and just do whatever you have to do. That's like somebody who is a, a meditator and they meditate all the time and their, their, their job is to go out and kill people. Strike that. <laughs> well, I mean, it could happen. Someone could be a meditator and be working in a prison and working in an area where they're actually caging people in a hell realm and, and making money locking people up. So there's lots of different levels of that. A person who does a lot of med sitting practice of meditation, eventually that will be harder and harder for them to make their living that way. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that they will stop doing that. They might start doing it in a different way. They might start actually uh, trying to help the people that are in there by being kind to them, by being understanding. Most of the guards I've met in prison are not particularly kind. And they don't really stop and think that they're locked up too. Do they? It doesn't look like they, because they have uniforms on and, and they have keys. So they get to go in and out. Further questions? We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our red chant books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the hallway. We gladly receive and appreciate your financial support to help us keep these teachings alive for others. Help us buy coffee. <clears throat> Are we out of coffee? Mayor, this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha, families, friends, and visitors, heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with love.